0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. This Easter season is an amazing time. We look back two thousand years ago on what God has has done for us and what He did for us. Um, last week in our Sunday service, we looked at what uh, the king did on our behalf. And, and what he did was he came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Uh, the people there put down palm leaves and they rejoiced because they believed that their king was coming, the Jews believed that the, their king was coming to deliver them from Roman ca- captivity. The Romans were over them. The Romans had the authority and uh, they, here he comes. They're, they're welcoming him to the city and the problem was, is that week ended with those people killing the king. That's right. And that was, that was what we saw last week, was killing the king. And who it was that killed him, or had him killed, was the religious legalist of the day. These people uh, had a problem. And the problem that they had was they had formed a religion for themselves. We talked about this last week. They formed a religion for themselves, and it resembled what God wanted, but it was not what God wanted. They made a religion that that suited them. They they worked it out to where it fit into their lifestyle, and then they slapped God on that religion, and they felt good about themselves. And Jesus comes on the scene, and the reason why they had him killed is because he tells them, that religion, what you're doing, is not right. It's wrong. You've done it for yourselves, and it's wrong. There's already a way, and that way led up to Jesus Christ. Again, they they had created this religion, to suit themselves and it's still a problem today. Many are still making religions, building their own kingdoms and slapping Christianity on that, on that religion. They're slapping God on, on that and they're saying it's okay. They approach the things of God like that. They say it's, it, what, it's what works for me and I'm okay with that but that's not God's way. The, there's, there's different approaches and, and again, uh, I, uh, I coach my oldest daughter's volleyball team and uh, I, I kind of yell at my youngest daughter's volleyball team uh, and um, we, uh, we talk about their approach to the game and sometimes they, they go into the games and they're kind of lackluster. They're kind of just lazy and they're not talking and, and I have to tell them, look, you have got to approach the game like you're ready to win the game. The approach a lot of times means the world of difference and again many people approach Christianity in in different ways some approach Christianity like um, God this is what I'm going to do for you This is how I'm going to live my life and you are going to be okay with it I've got my life set up. I got the things I like to do I got it just the way I want it and I'm going to call it Christian Doesn't necessarily mean it's Christian, but they call it Christian and then there's another group of people that, that approach God and say, God, I'm yours. What do you want from my life? Direct me, and I'll follow you. Two different approaches, two different outcomes, two different groups of people. And that's the, that's the difference sometimes between those who are, have an eternal uh, security in Jesus Christ and those who don't. Because there's two different, two different, two different groups there. These people that killed Jesus 2,000 years ago, again, he didn't fit into their lives. He didn't fit into their religion. And so, again, when it wasn't what they wanted, they had him killed. He corrected their system. They hated it. So they sent him to the cross to die. And I want to look at that just a little bit more, and I want to see why killing the king wasn't the final word. Again, last week we saw they had him killed. This week, we're going to look at a little bit more at them killing the king, but that's not the final word. This morning, we're looking at the conquering Christ and celebrating that. So let's pray, and we'll get into this message. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you again for what we've already experienced today, Lord. We are so thankful for um, just the, the ability to be here this morning on this day. It's a beautiful day outside. Lord, it, it's uh, just amazing to be in this country, in this, this church. Uh, to celebrate freedom, to celebrate not just freedom as Americans, but freedom uh, in you, uh, spiritual freedom. And, Lord, I pray that this morning, if there's somebody here that's never surrendered their life to you, they've never entered into a, a personal relationship with you, maybe there's some here that are like what we already talked about. They, they're trying to make it work for themselves, and they're not following after you. They're, they're doing their religion their way. If there's somebody like that, I pray that you would show them today, open their eyes, that they can enter into a true relationship with you. Lord, I ask that if there's somebody here that's in, in darkness, they don't understand what you've done fully for them, that today they would, be, they would see in the light. Lord, they would see your love. They would hear the good news. And their life would be changed today for the better. They'd be freed from their sin. They'd be freed from the shackles. They'd be free from uh, the, the worry about their future. And again, you would do a great work today. Lord, we ask you to just move now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's there's no doubt that we all face battles today. Um, All kinds of battles are are waged every day. Mental battles, um, personal battles, physical battles, um, emotional battles, relational battles, financial battles. Maybe Maybe you're facing one of those today. Maybe you're dealing with something like that today. Maybe you're dealing with a spiritual battle. Uh, there's something that you're, you're just warring against, and you can't find rest. You can't find peace. Um, maybe you are uh, in a place where you're, you're working so much, and you're trying to get so much money, and, and you got your activities, and you got your, your, your things that you're doing in this life. And at the end of the day, you, you kind of look at it all and say, I like this, but it seems like I'm always battling. I'm always toiling. There's never rest. There's never just true peace. Like, you know what? No matter how bad things are, I still have peace. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're going through that. I want to tell you that the Bible says that we are going to have trouble in this life. We're going to have battles in this life. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have trouble. You'll have tribulation. And uh, scripture tells us that the enemy is looking to keep the trouble going, to keep the battle uh, raging and, and waging as, as hard as he can because he is trying to fight against the plan of God. He's trying to do something to stop what God's desire is for all mankind. And you're here this morning and you say, well, what is God's desire for all mankind? Does God just want to strike us down and, and send us to hell? No, 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 no. That's a, if you've heard that, that's a lie. That's not what God wants. The Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for our sins. So if you're here today and you came in with an assumption that that God just wants to strike you down, he's looking at the bad things you've done, and he just wants to do away with you, understand this, that's a lie from the enemy. God loves you. God sent his son to die in your place. Again, we just sang about that. uh, several songs we sang, God did what it took for us. God's plan is very clearly laid out in Scripture he loves us. He sent his son to die for us. In Luke 19, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It tells us in Matthew 1, 21, that he came to save his people from their sin. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. and It says that he came to save those who were dead in their trespasses and their sins. That's what he's done for us. He, he took care of our problem for us. It says that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that he's not willing that any, anybody would die and suffer an eternal torment that he has reserved for his enemies. God doesn't want anybody to do that, but that all would come to repentance and faith. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. God wants to see every person in this room enter into his love, enter into a relationship with him. That's what he desires. And again, maybe you're here and you say, I just don't know that I want that. Just hear me out this morning. Hear, hear me out why, why that's important to have a relationship with God because, again, this is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. That's how important it is. It's not like, you know, what, what are you going to do after you retire? That, that's an important thing. It's not going to do, what, are you going to take this next promotion or not? That's an important thing, but this is the most important subject any person ever has to deal with, eternal life or eternal death. That's, that's the dilemma. But the enemy, again... The, the, the God of this world, the little G, God of this world, God's, uh, God's enemy, Satan, would love nothing more than to keep good news out of the ears of every single person here. He would love for you to hear nothing but bad this morning and say, you know what, I, that's why I don't want anything to do with God. That's why I don't want anything to do with church. That's why I don't want anything to do with those Christians. That God of this world, the little G, Satan himself, would love nothing more than to keep you from hearing good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. But uh, as I've said already today, before something can actually be understood as good, it's got to have a backdrop of bad. You've got you've to understand that something is, is uh, bad before you hear the good news about that, right? Uh, I talked about that if, if I came up to you and I said, hey, I've got this, um, this cure for you. I've got this medicine for you. And you would say, why are you giving this to me? <laughs> you know, I'm not sick. And again, unless I told you, listen, I know the doctor, or I know that you have this. This is why you need this. If there's not a backdrop of bad, then the good news isn't really good. And so this morning, I want to share a little bit of the backdrop, why what we're celebrating today is so important, why the good news of Jesus Christ is so good. Again, you have to understand how bad it is, and it's really bad. It's really bad. We all have battles, as I said. We struggle in this life. And the reason why we struggle in this life is because there's brokenness. Everybody deals with brokenness at some, in some form or fashion in your life, whether it's broken relationships or, or again, finances, or maybe you're broken on the inside. Maybe you're, you're, you're struggling and you're broken. Again, every single one of us in here, at some level, at some point in life, we deal with brokenness. And the reason why there's brokenness in this life is because there's a separation between us and god but it wasn't always so in the very beginning the bible says that god walked with man that that adam and eve were in the garden there and they had no separation from god they could interact they could come they could go they, they could be with god they were with god all the time they had this this pure relationship with god but one day adam chose to break what god had commanded and when adam broke what god had commanded that was the first sin And that's what sin is. Sin, the Bible says, is transgressing the law. So whenever we don't do something God tells us to do or we do something God tells us not to do, we break God's law. Now, why is that so important? Because what God has said is good and right. It it comes from an understanding that God, again, loves us and he has spoken. He's given to us what is right and what is good for us. And so when we break what he has commanded, then we sin. So, uh, again, if you've ever spoken a lie, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I'll raise my hand. If you've ever spoken a lie, then you've broken God. Because the Bible says this, thou shalt not bear false witness. We're not supposed to lie. So if you've ever said any little lie, you've broken the law. Right. If you've ever borrowed something, your, your, your friend's pencil in school back when you were in school, or if you're in school now, or your pen, or, 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 or your neighbor's shovel, or something like that, and you never returned it, he said, well, I didn't intend to steal it, but you stole it. you didn't return it, Uh, then that is called stealing. And again, the Bible says thou shalt not steal. So again, there's uh, there's probably been some time in my life where I took a pencil or borrowed a pencil and never gave it back. On and on and on, the Bible tells us what sin is. And, And again, when we break God's command, that is called sin. But it gets worse in romans chapter 5 the bible says because adam sinned the first man death or i mean sin came to every single person so because he was a sinner and all of the children that he would have afterwards and all the generations to follow because he was in that sinful state death i mean sin passed upon all men because all have sinned in romans chapter 5 verse 12 though it gets worse it says that sin has passed upon all men but also death because of sin has come to all mankind so the relationship the unbroken the problem free the great interaction that adam had with god that mankind had with god was severed it was broken and from that brokenness trouble flowed to every generation even to now so here we sit in this room, here I stand in this room, and we all deal with trouble, we all deal with brokenness, we all have the 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 the, the struggle in our life because of sin. This battle that we face every day is real. So that's the really bad part of this bad news. Again, Romans 5:12 told us that all have sinned, that death comes because of sin. Romans chapter three, verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not run, one. Nobody's good enough. Not me, not you, not anybody on this earth. Romans 3:23 says all have sinned and come short of God's glory. There's nobody that's good enough. You could live your life. And again, the reason why that's the case is this. I shared this earlier. We could go around the room and say, hey, do you think that if you, if you hit your little brother softly, that it's okay <laughs> Well, that's a relative that some people yeah, what did he do some people? No, you should never hit again We would have a different interpretation on what is okay and what's not okay We would have a different definition of what right and wrong was But that's why we have the the pure word of god That's why we have this standard that tells us this is right And so when the bible says that there's none righteous nobody keeps god's word all the time when it says all have sinned That means all of us at some point have broken god's law but it gets worse again. He said, man, I came to Easter to be uplifted, not to hear a bunch of bad news. Like I said, we're getting the bad news backdrop before we hear the good news. Again, Romans six twenty three says, the wages of sin is death. And we already talked about it. Death came because of sin. What we get for our sin. Now, 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 now I'm not saying like, well, so if I like steal something, God's gonna strike me down. no, 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 no. no. We deal with death Because we have sin in this world the consequences of sin are all around us There's brokenness all around us. All of us have to deal with that That's just the reality of this world So no one can fix the problem on this earth No one can can mend what has been severed by sin except one There's one who can and there's one who did Mend the relationship, and that brings us to the Easter story. That brings us to today. Just as I, uh, we said a while ago, Jesus said this in John sixteen thirty three: "I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world." So again, there is good news. There is the, the bad news. Everybody sin. Bad news. Death comes because of sin. But the good news is there's one who is victorious. There's one who fought the battle, who, who came to this earth and, and wrestled with, with, with mankind and, and won. He won the victory over sin. He won the victory over death, and his name is Jesus Christ. Yes. In, in, in uh, Psalms chapter 46, the Bible tells us that he's the Lord, is, Lord of hosts, and he's with us. He's, he's fought the battle. He's already won the war. It says this in verse 7, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Again, this is a song of victory, a song of triumph, a song of confidence in the one who's already won the battle for us. Man, what a reason to celebrate. Look, think about this. No man can win against sin. No man can win against sin. None of us in here. I've tried. I struggle. I know a lot of really, really good men and really good women. And they strive and they try and they struggle. But nobody has the power in themselves to defeat sin. We all lose to sin. We all all fall weak to that. No man can defeat death. Because no man can defeat sin. Nobody has the power on this earth to do that. Nobody has the, the power then to conquer what happens after death, which is the grave. Nobody. But we have a conquering king, a conquering Christ who can and who did. That's, that's what, again, we're celebrating today. Matthew chapter 26, I said a while ago, if you want to turn your Bibles there, we're just going to kind of breeze through chapter 26, kind of a, a little overview of the last part of that. Jesus is brought to false trials. Last week we saw what happened. I already said in the beginning. uh, He is brought into Jerusalem like a king. He ends up in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is right outside Jerusalem, or in Jerusalem, but just right outside the Temple Mount. And he's there praying. His disciples are praying and falling asleep. Judas comes, the betrayer, he comes and he comes with a a multitude of, of, of people and they take Jesus captive. They take Jesus to some false trials, and then Peter, one of his close disciples, denies him before other men. If you move to chapter 27, Jesus is taken to the governor of the time, whose name was Pilate. Pilate ends up saying, you know what, I don't see any fault in this guy. Why do you want to kill him? Why do you want to crucify this guy who has nothing, He's done nothing wrong worthy of, of death? But the crowd insists in verse 23, it says this, and, and he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. They wanted him killed. Again, it goes back to why. Why did they want to kill Jesus who had done no wrong? Because he was telling them that they were wrong. He was telling them, look, you've made something for yourself and it's not right. My way is right. They didn't like that. And so they had the king killed. So he delivers them to be killed in verse 24. Jesus goes and he says, you know what? Uh, Pilate says, I'm innocent of this guy's blood. If you guys want him dead, then fine. You can have a murderer and we'll kill an innocent man. So they do. The soldiers in verse 27 of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him of his clothes. They put a scarlet robe on him. They, They were mocking him. They twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, put a reed in his right hand. And they began to kneel before him and mock him saying, oh, hey, king of the Jews. Then they spit on him, it says. And they took the reed out of his hand. They struck his head that had the crown of thorns on it. It says when they mocked him, they stripped him of that robe and they put his own clothes back on and they led him away to Golgotha to be be crucified. Jesus goes to Golgotha. He's crucified there. And there as he's hanging on the cross, it continues more, the mocking. Verse 40, who, who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself. Hey, didn't you say that, that you would destroy the temple and, and now you can't even save yourself from this cross? If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. But the chief priests, they also, with the scribes and elders, mocked him and saying, look, he saved other people, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. If he is, then let him come down now from the cross and then we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I'm the son of God. But look, he's there, dying on the cross. He must not be God. Jesus would die a very lonely and torturous death—a a spear put in his side—and at this point in history, it would seem like there's no conquering Christ at all, but just a king who has been killed. But the reality is, is in his death, he defeated sin. As he died on that cross, sin the debt for sin, the the penalty for sin was being paid for. He was conquering all of our sin debt. He He was taking the victory upon himself as he was breathing his last breath. The perfect blood of the spotless lamb of God was shed, again, as that sacrifice, paying for every single one of the the sins we would commit. In verse 45, it says, from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and then he died. His physical body stopped working. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, and the centurions that were with him, they saw him, they saw what was going on, and they fi- they were filled with awe, and they said, truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus is then taken to a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea uh, takes uh, goes and asks for the body of Jesus from Pilate. Pilate says, fine, he dresses him. He takes him to his tomb and he puts him in the tomb. Great stone in verse 60 is rolled over the entrance of the tomb. And then he left. Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary were sitting opposite of the tomb. The guard asked, hey, you know what? His disciples came up, uh, they, they have this, this conspiracy. We, we think that they can come up with this conspiracy. So can you put a seal on it? And so Pilate says, you know what? Okay, fine. Go and do do what you need to do. They were afraid that his his disciples were going to steal the body away and then proclaim that he was risen. So they put extra guard. They put a seal. They say, you know what? Now he's not going to be able to... Now they can't come up with some type of false lie. Again, it doesn't look like he's a conquering Christ. It doesn't look like there's a lot of victory to be celebrated. But again, the reality is he just paid for. He just conquered sin with his shed blood. And now... The only thing left to conquer, the only battle to fight now, is with death in the grave. He paid paid for sin on the cross. Now he's in the grave. But in Matthew chapter 28, it says this. It says, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath toward the dawn and the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and he sat on it his appearance was like lightning his clothing was white as snow and for fear of him the guards that were there they trembled and they fell as dead men they passed out the angel said to the women do not be afraid because i know that you're seeking jesus who was crucified but he's not here because he's risen as he said he would come see the place where he lay later on in that chapter jesus after he's been risen he would go back to his disciples and he would tell them, he would give them a charge to go into all the world, in verse 19, and make disciples of every nation. To baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. To teach them, look at what it says, to observe all of his commands. Why? Because they're good and they're right. It's the right path. And he says, lo, I'm behold you, uh, with you always, even to the end of the earth. He conquered sin, he conquered the grave, he conquered death because he rose. And because Christ conquered, we can have a few things. This morning, there's three, th- three points in your notes if you've got notes this morning. Those three, we're going to go through those real quick and we're going to be done. The reason why we celebrate today a conquered Christ is because, first of all, we can have sins forgiven. We can have sins forgiven man. I I don't know about you But when I think about the things that i've done in this life, I think about the 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 offenses i've committed And the fact that I deserve to be punished for them, but jesus christ was punished for me He paid the debt for me and because I have entrusted my life to him I've accepted his sacrifice for my sins My sins are forgiven All of them paid for you're here this morning say man You, you know, you're young and, and man, I, I've done way, way worse things than you could have ever done. All right, maybe you're here and you say, you don't know what I've done in my life. There's no way God can forgive me. That's not true. The Bible says that he paid for all sin, all we, 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 we can't fathom that because we look at all the bad news in this world. We look at all the bad things that we've done and, and we think, well, does God know what is going on in my heart? Yes. And his sacrifice is still sufficient to pay for all of those sins. All of them. So because we have a conquering Christ, we can have sins forgiven. In Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us that he doesn't have to go in every year and offer a sacrifice. But in verse 26... He's appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin, listen to this, by the sacrifice of himself. He took care of sin. If you're here this morning, I, mean, I, I just, I don't know if I've ever been forgiven of, of, of my sins by God. That's why Jesus died. He conquered your sin on the cross. And because he offered himself in your place, your sins can be forgiven. Hebrews chapter 10 reiterates this. In verse 11 it says every priest stands daily at his service offering sacrifice, sacrifices over and over and over which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered listen to this for all time not just 2000 years ago but for all time a single sacrifice for sin sins he sat down at the right hand of God. Did you hear that? He made the sacrifice for all sins. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much you've done. Christ paid for all of it, all of your sins. And because He died on the cross, because He's a conquering Christ, we can have our sins forgiven even today. It's the only way to have your sins forgiven is by accepting the sacrifice of Christ in your place and trusting. That he paid that price. Number two, we have a conquering in Christ. And what that means for us is that we can have salvation freely. I don't care if you walked on glass on your hands and knees all around the world. It would still, ne- for a good cause, it would still never be good enough to be saved. You, you, could, you could give all of the treasure in all the world as a gift to God and it still wouldn't be enough to save you. You could go to church you could be at church every single time the doors are open. You could be here before the doors were open, after the doors were closed. It would never be good enough to save you. You can't do anything to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to merit it. You can't say, you know, well, but I've been a good person most of my life. Out of all my life, I've been good. I've tried to treat people right. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to be generous. I've tried to be charitable. Nothing you can do can give you salvation. But because of what Christ did, you can have salvation for free. Again, it doesn't mean it wasn't a cost. We already talked about what the cost was. The price was the sacrifice of the Son of God. It's free to us. Salvation is free to us by the grace of God. Grace means unmerited, undeserved, unearned. In other words, you did all these bad things, but God offered you something good. Yeah, you know, I don't deserve that. That's grace. It's grace, and it's free. Romans 3, 22 says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. All have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God and are just, listen to this, and are justified, in other words, declared right with God by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's it. You you can be made right with God because of the free offer from God. It's what he did. He paid the price. He went to the cross. He paid for the sins. He was put in the tomb. He rose again. And it's through everything Jesus did that you can be saved. Now, I talked about bad news. This is really good news. This is the best news. That you could never earn a right place with God. But that Jesus made a way for you to have a right place with God. And all you have to do is entrust Him. And there's nothing weird about that. It's a simple thing of saying, you know what? I've been doing my own thing, I've been living my own life, I've been building my own kingdom, I've been doing my own religion, and I'm not doing it anymore. I trust Jesus wholeheartedly that His sacrifice was sufficient, that He rose from the dead. And so I'm going to leave my life living for myself, living for sin, living for a religion that suits me. I'm done with that, and I'm entrusting my life wholeheartedly to Jesus because I believe his sacrifice is enough for my sin. I believe that the empty tomb is real. I believe he's a living God, and it's through him alone that I can have eternal life. If you entrust him, that's what the Bible says, believe and trust, you can be saved last of all we can have a secured future right there's a lot of, in this room that are probably working for retirement maybe you're already there retirement and it's your 401k that you're working on it's your savings account maybe you're at a place you say you know what i'm probably gonna have to work the rest of my life but we think about the future we think about what it's going to look like we think about what it's going to look like for our kids and for our grandkids and and, and we have concern about the future but listen Because we have a conquering Christ, we can have a secured future. No matter what happens in this life, you can can have 100% assurance that your future is secure because of what Jesus Christ did. I don't know about you, but that gives me an an amazing amount of peace. When I walk out of this room, it doesn't matter what happens to me because I know what Christ has done for me. My future is secure, I have no worries. It doesn't mean that I don't have concerns in this life, like, you know, you got bills, you got food, you got you to have the things that you do from day to day. But I'm talking about it doesn't matter what happens in this life because I know what happens after this life because of the conquering Christ. That's what we have through the conqueror. John 3, 36 says this, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him again. The wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on our behalf. If you don't accept the sacrifice of Christ in your place for your sins, then God's wrath abides on your account still. You'll have to face him yourself. Jesus Christ faced the wrath for you or you face it yourself. It's a choice every person makes. It's a free choice. Nobody's gonna twist your arm, they can't anyways. You've gotta make the choice. I'm going to accept Christ and surrender and live for him. Or I'm going to take my chances and try to face God one day myself. Right. I don't know about you, but the God that shook that tomb and those strong, ruthless Roman soldiers started shaking in their knees and then, and then passed out. That's, that's the, the God we're talking about. I'm no Roman soldier. If you know history, Roman soldiers were ruthless. They were terrible. I mean, just think about what they were doing to Jesus Christ. That was was the tip of the spear. These guys were ruthless. In, in, In the presence of God, they shook for fear, and they passed out because they were so afraid. I don't want to face that God on my own one day. I can face him, though, because of what Jesus Christ has done on my behalf. And now I don't have to face the wrath of God. Now I'm a child of God. Now I I get to be excited about seeing God one day because of the conquering Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, listen to this, to be born again to a living hope, a living, confident expectation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, Christians all around the world are celebrating Jesus Christ risen from the grave. Why? because it gives us a living hope. It gives us an active confidence of what's to come. That's why I said I can walk out of these doors and no matter what happens to me, I know what's going to I know what my future holds because of what Jesus Christ did. But without the conquering Christ, without him conquering death, there's no assurance of our future. You have no hope for what's ahead. There's a lot of people that have died for a lot of good causes. And you can go to their tombs. You can visit the sites. But no one's risen from the dead except for one. And that's Jesus Christ. That's why we put our faith in him. That's why he's the only one worthy to put our faith in. is because he's alive today. The question, as I close, that every person has to answer in this life, and I want to challenge you to answer it in this service today, is do you? Do you have confidence in Christ alone? Do you believe in Him alone? Do you believe that Jesus said He's the only way to God the Father in John 14, 6? Do you you believe that? Or do you believe that there's maybe another way? There's not. It's only through entrusting your life to Christ, turning from your life and surrendering your life to Him. Have you done that? Have you given your life to Christ? Now, I'm not talking about praying a prayer I'm not talking about trying to obey his commands. I'm not talking about any of those things. Have you entrusted your life to him? I'm not talking about I've been in church my whole life. We already said nothing can do it. It's a faith. And that word faith means entrust. It means I'm no longer mine. I'm I'm surrendering to Christ. Have you done that? You say, "I, I don't know that I've done that. I'm like what you said a while ago. I, I remember a time when I prayed a prayer and I've tried to live a good life, but I don't know that I've ever actually surrendered my life to Jesus. And please listen to me. That's the only way to have eternal life is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the only way. You can't pray a prayer. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. It's by grace, but it's free. God stands and he offers it to you. You simply have to accept it. It's a choice I've made, many in this room has made. But if you've never made that choice before, today can be the day you say, you know what? I'm going to trust Jesus because I want a secure the future. I want to know that when I walk out of this, this building today and if something terrible were to happen to me, I want to know that I'll be with God forever. I want to know that. I don't want to hope, hope that. I want to know that. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way to have it. We're going to have an invitation, a time for you to respond here in just a minute. And I'm going to pray. And in that invitation, I, I want to encourage you, if you've never entrusted your life to Christ, we'll have a couple of men down here. And, and if you're a lady, if you'd rather talk to a lady, we can, we'll take you apart in the side room. We're not going to do anything weird. We're, going to try to, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything like that. All we'll do is we'll show you in God's word what God says about salvation even more. And you can make the decision yourself. We're not going to force you to do anything. Again, it's not anything weird. I promise you. It's just, we just want to offer the choice. And you can make that choice today to give Christ your life. Today could be a new start for you this Easter. You can leave this place knowing for sure that heaven's your eternal home. But you'll have that opportunity. I'm going to pray. Musicians are going to play. And you can have an opportunity to come forward. And I encourage you to do that. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Let today be the day of salvation. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here again. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for paying for our sins on the cross. Thank you for conquering sin through your shed blood. Thank you for for conquering death. Thank you for conquering the grave through the resurrection. God, we celebrate that today. We celebrate you today. Lord, we, we don't have to worry about what the future holds because of what you have done before us. Lord, You you tell us that you have overcome. We will have trouble in this world, but we don't need to fear about that because you've overcome the world. And so Lord, help us to rejoice in that. Lord, help us as we leave this place today to have joy in our hearts like never before, that we have eternal life through you. And God, if there's somebody here that's never given you their life, they've never accepted your sacrifice for their sins, I pray that they would make that decision today in this invitation. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name, amen.